It's a late night when I walk in the pitch studio. Something seems amiss. Like someone's been here. The neon pitch sign is flickering even more than usual. My acai bowl's missing from the mini fridge. And there's a floppy disk labeled case file on the desk. What is this? I pop it in my Mac mini and press play. Good morning. 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 Hi, I'm Jim. Nice to meet you. I'm Erica. Erica, nice pleasure. Nice to meet you. This is a pitch on my show? What is this? Hi, I'm Jim Brown, founder and CEO of Uncovered. And we're bringing together the most passionate true crime enthusiasts to help solve real-world cold cases. Cold cases? You could be the murderer and putting in misinformation. <laughs> I would if yeah. I was the murderer. <laughs> Jillian! No, no, I'm not a murderer. All of a sudden, everything shuts off. The neon sign, the mini fridge, my Mac mini. And when it reboots, there's a message on the monitor. Can a media company produce venture scale returns by solving murders? Guess we'll find out. I'm Josh Muccio, and this is The Pitch, where real entrepreneurs solve real cold cases for real money. Hi, I'm Erica Wenger, and I'm general partner of Park Rangers Capital. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Yin, general partner at Hustle Fund. Hi, I'm Jillian Manis, managing partner of Structure Capital. Hi, I'm Charles Hudson, managing partner of Precursor Ventures. Hi, I'm Martin Tobias with Incisive Ventures. The Pitch for Uncovered is coming up after this. And if you want to watch the video of this pitch, go to pitch.show slash YouTube. New video episodes premiere on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. The information provided on this show is not intended to be investment advice and should not be relied upon as such. The investors on today's episode are providing their opinions based on their own assessment of the business presented. Those opinions should not be considered professional investment advice. Jim Brown, pleasure. Hi, Jim. Hi. Elizabeth, nice Elizabeth. to meet you. Yep. Charles. Charleston. Good morning. Hi, Jim Brown. Hi, I'm Jillian. Hi, I'm Jim Brown, founder and CEO of Uncovered. And we're bringing together the most passionate true crime enthusiasts to help solve real world cold cases. Let me ask you a question. Who's the person in your life that won't shut up about the latest true crime podcast or Netflix documentary they've been binging? Did you know that if you're murdered in this country, there's only a 57% chance that your killer is found? And if you're an indigenous woman, a person of color, or a member of the LGBTQ community, it's even worse. To date, we've built the world's largest public database of cold case information and tools that enable the massive true crime community to turn their interest into advocacy. And it's working. I can tell you all about the 175,000 people we had on our site last month, the 26,000 email subscribers, or the 200 paying customers. But 
last January, our community solved its first case, that of a North Texas man who'd been missing for nine years. And later in October, with new public information in a 62-year-old cold case, we petitioned a judge in Ohio to have a body exhumed and a bullet was found. That's the power of doing business for good. And that's why I'm here today, kicking off a $1.5 million seed round. Here's what I'd like to ask you to do now. Go to uncovered.com slash cases. Uh, this is the most used feature on our site. It's a map of all of mm. the cold cases that we have in our database, 49,000 cases. Uncovered.com slash cases? Slash cases, yep. Okay. What we see everyone do, the user behavior, is they immediately start zooming in on that map <laughs> to their hometown or where they live, that kind of stuff. You can see the cases that are in your neighborhood. So this is like crowd-solving for for cold cases. It's exactly what it is. Okay. So, you know, uh, this is not meant to be a political statement at all, but uh, law enforcement doesn't have the resources they need to no solve kidding. present day crime, yeah. let alone cold cases. And yeah. so the cases that we work on are a minimum of three years old so that we don't get involved in an active investigation or interfere in it. How does the community end up being able to help? So the, the first thing is like, um, let's think about discovery of the case. Um, what happens is you listen to one of these podcasts or you watch a documentary. And as soon as you've consumed that content, you then go to Google and you search for the victim's name because you want to learn more. So Uncovered is like the individual cases are coming up in the top rankings of Google for that. And we're driving people there. We've got a full narrative on the on the site. You've got a timeline of events so that you can see it. You can see a map that correlates to the events so you can see where they took place. So we ground all of that for you. And then we list out all the sources that we have. Okay. But then let's say you want more information on that case. And you, if new information comes out, the follow button was one of the first things that we created. And so now you can come to our site and follow a case. Then we uh, launched our community contribution program. So this is where you see something about Jean Benet Ramsey, and we don't have that on our site. You can add that information to our site very easily through a toolbar. We ask for the URL, and then we can put that into the case file. But that also might be misinformation. You could be the murderer and putting in <laughs> misinformation. I would if yeah. I was the murderer. Misdirection. Are you interested I, I, in true crime? Is this a thing? It's very weird and it's a longer story. <laughs> no, no, I'm not a murderer. Well, I asked that question because killers do stay very close to the crime. Sure, they always do. They follow it. And so we do believe that the killers will come and become members of Uncovered and yeah. we'll track their IPs and we'll give that information to law enforcement to help solve these cases. But your original question, we do verify manually you every try. piece of information. We try, try to. Who's uploading these cold cases? Are you guys hooking up to something that the government provides or are these like individuals of family members and friends that yeah. want to upload? You get the data? It's a combination of all. So the first level of our database is all publicly available information. So we've gathered information from news sources, from uh, podcasts, from databases, things like that. Um, we also have podcasters, all of the uh, content creators that are constantly putting new information into our database as well. We hear these stories on the nightly news or on the podcasts or in the documentaries, et cetera, but that's not all of the stories. And most of the stories aren't getting told. There's actually something known as missing white woman syndrome, where the, the media loves to cover attractive white women's sure. missing mm -hmm. cases. Mm -hmm. Gabby Petito was an Gabby example Petito. of this yeah. last fall, right? Yes. So that's a thing. So first level of database is all publicly available information. Second level of the database starts to bring in law enforcement connection and family information. It's been very interesting, the reception that I've got from law enforcement. There are uh, those that are more on the conservative side that see this as their data, their investigation. Yeah. Uh, they told us to go pound sand. We don't want your help. 
Uh, then there's those on the more progressive side that have said, hey, this might be the future of policing and the way we're doing things isn't really working either. So maybe we help get out ahead of this and work with your community to teach them how to do it so that we can still prosecute a case if it comes to uh, the court system. You had mentioned you had quite a bit of uh, traffic on your website, but yep. only a couple hundred paid users. Yep. What's your monetization strategy? How are you going to make money on this? So how we're making money today, we've got three revenue streams. The first one is we have programmatic ads on our website. Our second one is paid sponsorship of our newsletter. And then we have our paid membership. So that's what we have currently. Uh, there is a law enforcement play for this as we go into the future. There's 17,985 law enforcement agencies in America. Uh, so I'm like, hey, why don't you give us your data? We'll clean it, store it, and keep it updated, and then give you an API feed to go back. But then also give them almost like a CRM, if you will, to say, hey, public, we need your help on this case, or we have DNA in this case, or something along those lines. So it sounds like your current model is mostly a media company. Today, And yes. um, so with this money you're raising, what are the KPIs you hope to achieve in sort of six, 12 months? So the first one does still start with the media company. That's, that is you're the business model that provides the other media. things for us to go, right? The, the KPIs that we're looking at is absolutely growth of the traffic to the website. Uh, we expect that we're going to be able in the next 18 months get to over 10 million uh, visitors a year to the site uh, and then growing that paid community. And I'm still going to leverage the newsletter because I think we can get that to well over 100,000 and because you need to sell that for more. But the paid community itself, I think we can get somewhere in the neighborhood of 5,000 paid members in the next 12 months on that. Can you speak a little bit about the technology? How are you building that tech stack in order to be able to solve these mysteries? It's a fantastic question. And when we were first getting started with this, the idea was like, let's just gather all the data. And so we can start to um, find things that humans wouldn't necessarily be able to see in that data stack. To date, we have not built anything for that because we haven't found the use case for it. In order for me to invest the resources to build the tool to sell to them, there's got to be a customer on the other end of that. So is it wrong to say this is more of kind of an, an entertainment sort of amusement with some benefit to society rather than truly building like an AI engine that consumes all this data and able to analyze and create some transparency into past crimes? Front end, yes. Back end, no. Back end is exactly what I want to do, but we're not there yet. When we come back, the media mystery continues. But first, as a media company ourselves, we must share a message from our sponsors. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on this show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company. It's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies that fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back to the True Crime Pitch. The case remains open, and the investors have some interrogating to do. Here's Erica. I just have a quick question on, uh, I don't know this, but sure. if someone solves a cold case, is there some sort of like 
I use the word referral because I'm in tech bounty. I don't what the, whatever yeah. the word is, uh, some payout reward. for mm-hmm. reward. Thank yeah. you. But you, if there was this potential big payout, yeah. like I think a lot about like you know like affiliate marketers and all that stuff, like if they could work really hard for this potential reward that they split with you guys, it maybe be a revenue stream for you all. It would maybe be worth someone paying for access to the community because they felt oh, if I just solve one case over the next five years, I pay myself back and then some. Is that even a thing? Did I uh, just come up with it? It's yes and no. No, it's absolutely a thing. Okay. Uh, not every case has a reward, but lots of them do. Um, however, this community is not uh, influenced by money. It's very much altruistic. Um, we've we've tried to like offer that as a concept. It's just not something that they're interested in. They want the case solved. Uh, as I dug into it further though, the percentage of those rewards that are actually ever paid out is abysmal. Mm. It's big carrots dangling and they're never paid out for some stipulation mm. uh, that happens. May I ask you what your revenue is today and what your burn rate is? Yeah, so we, um, year to date, we've made $18,000. Um, we made $13,000 all of last year. Burn rate is currently about $20,000 a month. Where else does this audience hang out online for entertainment content? Like, what do you think is sort of their media universe? Facebook and Reddit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a subreddit called uh, R Unresolved Mysteries. It has 1.4 million um, members to it. And at any given time, there's 100,000 people online in that community. Uh, the other is Facebook. Uh, there's a Facebook group for almost every missing persons case or murdered case. But people have told us like they don't want to be in there for a couple of different reasons. Um, one, you don't know who anybody is. You don't know the information they're bringing to the table. If you're on Facebook, they don't want to see pictures of their friends, kids and dogs and vacations and then a murdered person, right? It's just not something they want to do with that. That's where this community is spending their time. Then there's Netflix, there's the podcast, yeah. there's yeah. all of that. True crime is a huge category. It's the number one category to, of yeah. entertainment. Yeah. What are people paying you for that they can't get elsewhere? So whenever I hear like number one content bucket, I think, okay, they can consume it as a podcast. They can consume it in Netflix. They can consume it on an you know, a newsletter or whatever. What are you pay Like what's enough for someone to come and um, pay you money? So the, the thing that people pay us money for is the community itself, access to being together. So um, is that 200 people or is that more people that are in that community? So all of the tools on our website, if you want to help contribute to a case, uh, research case, bookmark cases, get case updates, it's all completely free. If you want to connect to the community and bring in the guest speakers and things like that, that's what you're paying for, which is $11 a month or $97 a year. This is an interesting community because I can tell you all about our, our target audience. It is women 25 to 45. Mm-hmm. Um, they have their own events called like wine and crime. I literally had a lady said, <laughs> this is so crime. disturbing. <laughs> I but good, but bad, but good, but I had this lady tell me, she's like, yeah, me and my girlfriends literally just did a staycation. We rented a hotel room, bought a couple bottles of wine and just watched true crime documentaries all night. Um, It's a thing. Yeah. But those groups of women are not actually that often together. And you don't just go to work and talk about crime and like murder and death or with your Mm -hmm. spouse. Right. So they seek people that are like them that doesn't make them seem weird or strange. So that's one of the reasons why they do come together on the site. I love it. I I think it's very impressive that you've built this site to, you know, 26,000 subscribers and you have people paying you paid memberships. My background is in ads and media companies. And one of the things that I have learned in building these two companies is that there's often so many things to do. There's selling ads, you're selling memberships. Now you're talking about selling API access potentially. And it is 
often really hard to get growth and do all of these things with a small team. Um, I have felt that personally. The crux actually in building a successful media business is around focusing on just one or two things. But just given all that is going on in the business, I think for me, I'm going to sit out. I, I know that you will just need so much focus in order to get to the next level. I, I totally appreciate it. I, I understand what you're building. I understand the stage that you're doing it. And I understand the way that you're doing it. You're trying to get the community going now and you're monetizing it the way that you can. Um, unfortunately, I uh, invest in B2B mm -hmm. software companies and um, I like to see traction on that B2B sure. uh, type of thing. So um, I would love to uh, hear when you have more of that kind of traction and yeah. this round's not a fit for me, so I'm out. Absolutely, totally appreciate that. Just in thinking about some of the things that Erica brought up too, I think it's really clear to me that that there's a big audience Huge. for for true crime, and Jillian has mentioned too there that there might be some some issues with that. Um, <laughs> I just think in every business there's an easy way and and a hard way, mm -hmm. and I think just listening to you talk about this category, I'm like, podcast seems like an easy way to grow here, pretty cheap to build, lots of ways to distribute, pretty well established. Uh, advertising and monetization regime around those. And I guess what I keep coming back to is like, I'm not sure that there's a straightforward way to monetize a more community oriented approach here. So I'm out on this one more just because relative to the other things that are happening in the true crime sort of community, this one just feels like a, a hard way to build a big business. I appreciate that, Charles, yeah. I really do. I think for me, when you said they were not influenced by money, that was something that was kind of like, yeah, I think that's the thing that I'm missing. I talk a lot about community-led growth. I love community building. That's like my whole thing. And um, I think ultimately like that community has to be excited about money in some way. Otherwise, I go to nonprofit. I go to working with government. I go to you being a, an amazing, brilliant content creator and having your own business as yourself versus like a venture scale business. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm out. I believe in community-led growth as a way to build a business, but I'm just struggling with this exact audience. It's a crime that this is happening, that so many of these murders are not solved. 5,000 more every single year go yeah, unsolved. It's just sad. Personally, I like investing in big tech, something that you could really build an engine to solve these problems. And the other thought is, it might be good to do a crowdfunding for your company with this frenetic community of true crime lovers. I think that's a terrible, it's like a, a it's yeah, real, unfortunately. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. I'm out. I appreciate that greatly. Thank, Thank you, you all. so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you Thank for you. what you're building. Thank you. Thank you. I, lo I loved your idea of maybe making this into some sort of AI detective For or whatever sure. to, 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 because if you've got all this data, an yes. AI or something could surface connections and, and potential leads that, uh, that humans would find hard to, by analyzing uh, all the data absolutely. I mean, and we talk people about would pay for that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that this is, you know, a data play. 
Mm -hmm. We're all talking about AI. This is a very interesting application for that. Yeah, we were talking behind on what would fix his pitch. And we thought if he said, if he never said media, and if he inserted a bit more B2B SaaS and some AI, So everything. Well, I think, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the Clever issue is. is he has too many audiences. He has too many audiences. Yes. Like there's the audience of people who are lurking for entertainment. There's yeah. the audience of people who actually want to have these crimes solved because their loved one was murdered. Um, there's the law enforcement. And are we trying to sell them a new tool? You know, like yeah. there are too many audiences yeah. and there are too many things happening. I feel like any one of those has <laughs> a business in it. But when you try to do all the businesses, then you... You, yeah. you don't really do any struggle. Of them. This yeah. is yeah. this is nothing. one where you're you're waiting for the pivot because there could and be you're something being, interesting you're being here. asked well, to fund a, a, a an interim business yeah. model towards yes. the pivot, that's the, that's which that's is issue. just too hard. That's, yeah. that's, that's an interim issue. business. He wants he, to fund the media company, which doesn't have that venture return, to be able to pivot into one of these other things that doesn't yet have clear direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was fun in yeah. a weird twisty way. The case may be closed for these investors, but we still have some questions of our own for Jim. So we called him up a few months after the pitch, and our first question had nothing to do with his fundraise. I really just want to know more about the exhumed body. Why did no one notice the bullet the first time there was an autopsy on the body? Well, it was nearly 70 years ago that it, that it happened. And so the, the scientific methods weren't nearly as what they are today. Um, and so the, the the problem with this case specifically that the, the body was exhumed on is the police lost the case file. What? Yes. It, it's crazy. This is the stuff that happens. Um, detectives will take the case file home and they'll lose it. They'll put it in their garage for storage, for safekeeping, if you will. And it never <laughs> makes its way back to the, the police office. Like, this is the stuff that causes these cases oh to, to go cold. And so anyway, almost 70 years later, it's a brand new uh, sheriff, obviously. And he's right. like, look, if you can help me get more information, I would love it. And um, through, through some notes and previous conversations he had had with the previous detectives, there was the thought that there might still be DNA available on the body. Because again, 70 years later, advances in DNA technology have changed. We worked with a local not-for-profit that works with governments to be able to petition judges to do exactly this. And that's what made it happen. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we've been wondering about that for months now. Well, Jim, how are you? Wow, that might be a little bit of a loaded question. I'm here, I'm present, I'm, I'm feeling good. Yeah? How's the rest of your fundraise going? Have you found any VCs to cut a check? No. Um, and timing of our conversation right now is very ironic. Um, the largest strategic partner that we could get acquired by, I've been in talks with for an acquisition or a large investment, and literally 10 minutes ago, they said no. It's been tough. It's been a very stressful couple of months. Man, that's frustrating. Unfortunately, just with the capital uh, situation that we're in and, and, the, and the economic conditions that the world is in, right now is yeah. just not our time, it seems like. Do you think you're just too early, Jim? I think that we, you know, so, cause I have, I raised, I raised just shy of a million dollars two years ago, enough to last 18 months. 
right? I've now stretched it two years, but I did assume that capital would still be available. And it, it just changed. The economic conditions changed. And so I don't know that it's necessarily too early other than just the, the world shifted on us a little bit. And, and I'm not trying to make an excuse. We still need to build a, a real business, but I think that that's part of it. How are you able to keep the business going without raising additional capital? Cutting expenses. <laughs> um, you know, the, the majority of our uh, burn is people, it's humans. And that's, that's what stinks is I, I'm having to let go of wonderful people. Um, now, even those that I am unfortunately having to let go from a full-time capacity, they're still staying on. They're, they're just like, hey, we'll, you know, we'll volunteer some of our time to keep this thing going because they believe in it, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm willing to continue to invest some of my money for a period of time because I want this thing to be successful. And what success actually means, it's, it's not just successful for investors. It's successful to the world, to society. We owe it to society to solve these cases. Yeah, I think what you're describing parallels with so many companies. And I think we feel this some too. You know, we're building a media company. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think the investors definitely saw Uncovered as a media company. And I think that's something you obviously ran into on our show. I mean, they seemed like they might be interested if you came and pitched the AI version of Uncovered. Like that's what they wanted you to be, right? Is an AI <laughs> crime solving machine. Of course. But they didn't really have any interest in the media company that will then someday hopefully turn into a software company. Do you think that's where your pitch has fallen apart or, or has, is struggling? I, I think so. And when I first set out to build the company, I was trying to build that. What I learned while trying to build it though, is that's not what the, con the, the customer wants yet. Mm -hmm. I do believe that we can leave them there, but if we just start there, again, given the, the money that we do have, and build the things that people will pay for, it will eventually on its own fund the things that we want to build in the event that we can't get more investment into the company. Have you changed your pitch at all to make it sound less like a media company? The short answer is no. Uh, having done a startup before and raised money and failed, um, the absolute last thing that I want to do is one, fail again. Uh, but two, I don't want to make it look like it's something that it's not. Yeah. And it, it's, to me, it's a rational decision to make to preserve capital and only invest in things that are going to make you money. And, and look, I, I'm originally from the Midwest. That's how we think about the world. Like, how do you make money from day one? Um, but the further west you go, especially the valley, it's like, don't worry about money today. Like, what's the big opportunity later? And maybe it's just small thinking uh, on on my part that I'm not pitching a much bigger version of what this could be. Maybe that's my fault. Are you continuing to try to go out and fundraise or have you hit pause? I've kind of hit pause, um, but we have a plan uh, with the existing team to continue in almost like a just beyond survival mode, right? Like cases still need to get onto the site. Cases still need to be updated. The community still needs to be nurtured. So we have a plan to just do that in perpetuity. It's just not growth. It's just, like I said, just above maintenance mode. Right. So we're going to we're gonna give that a go. Starting a company so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. It's why most fail. Uh, and it's why most of us that uh, try it are, are crazy. 
Lisa, did you want to pop in? Yeah. Just as we're talking about this, it made me think of something that Charles Hudson said to me. We were at dinner at one of the recording events and he said something along the lines of like, there's a fine line between entrepreneurship and insanity. We're not calling you insane, Jim. <laughs> to be that's, what I, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> I'm calling all of us insane. I eject the floppy disk from my Mac Mini. Wow, these things really are floppy. But the message on the monitor remains. Can a media company produce venture-scale returns by solving murders? There's not enough evidence to say beyond a reasonable doubt, which means this case has gone cold. Next week on The Pitch, a PGA tour for amateurs. I was hustling parking lots. I think I'm the only Ivy League educated Jewish parking lot hustler in South Philadelphia <laughs> sports history who's ready to tee it high and let it fly. Oh. <laughs> oh, nice finish. finish. That was a great yeah. finish. That's next week in The Pitch Room. And if you want to watch the show, check out our YouTube channel at The Pitch Show. See you next Wednesday. Applications are open for next season of The Pitch. We're going to be in Miami this time. There will be 18 startups and a ton of really great investors. So if you or someone you know is raising pre-seed or seed, go apply at pitch.show slash apply. And if you've applied before, go ahead and apply again. See you in Miami in January. This episode was made by me, Josh Muccio, Lisa Muccio, Carrie Ann Thomas, Anna Ladd, and Enoch Kim, with casting help from Peter Liu. Music in today's show is from Joey Cantor, Greg Zhang, Anders, Breakmaster Cylinder, and The Muse Maker. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, we've actually set up a special URL to make it super easy to share with a friend. It's pitch.show slash text. Try it out pitch.show slash text. And if you want to listen to the pitch ad-free, subscribe to Pitch Plus. You'll also get occasional bonus content. Plus, it's a really good way to support the show. Just go to pitch.show slash plus to learn more. The pitch is made in partnership with the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Pitch, Inc. and their respective employees and affiliates do not provide investment advice or make investment recommendations. The information provided on this show should not be used as the basis for making investment decisions. Listeners should conduct their own research and consult with their own investment advisors before making any investment decisions. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business. It's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. 
Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.